Hello, and welcome to the mid-October episode of The Conversation from The Gavel. I am Cam. And I am Devin, Cam's co-host for this evening. Okay, ready? Yep. And I am going to time you so that you... So you're just going to read a quotation and then I tell you my thoughts and or reactions to this? Well, I'm going to give you a quotation and you're going to have 30 seconds to think about it. And then you're going to have to talk about it for two minutes. You can support it. Uh, you can be against it. You can interpret it however you want, but you just have to go for two minutes. Okay. This is a smaller version of impromptu. Pets are for people, people. who don't have children. Okay. Pets are for people that don't have children. I think that pets are definitely for people who don't have children, but the whole reason behind a pet is that it's like a family member and that it just adds something that may otherwise not be there in a family dynamic. And to limit it to just someone that doesn't have children is kind of putting putting the pet in replacement of a child. And I don't think that's the same. But at the same time, I don't think a pet should be... Just people without children should have pets because a family with children could be missing that need for a pet just as much as any other human being. It's more of like a, you know, it's it really plays on family dynamics in that sense. Um, and you can look at people who, families with children that have pets and get along very well, people that, with families with children that don't have pets and then get along very well, and then you have the people who live by themselves in their whole life and are just very happy to be by themselves and then there's people who um, are better off with a pet. I think that pets are very universal in the sense that they add something to a person's life regardless of, you know, you have a child or if you have, you know, a partner in life or, you know, what have you, it's just, you know, it doesn't matter if you have children, so, that's my, that's my thought. Okay, good job. When I looked at this, I went through that, you know, with the old cat lady. (laughs) Yeah. There's also, there's also the element, if you take it to sort of a higher level, that some people Mm -hmm. don't have children, sort of a substitute. With a what? Bias? Yeah, like a substitute with some sort of stigma or... Um... Yeah. Kind of like there are a lot of people who can't have children, so they have a pet to replace the void. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's what I think I alluded to partially, but I kind of, you know, kind of walked around that point. but. Point. Yeah, (laughs) I got there safely. A sense of humor is essential. My topic is a sense of humor is essential. When I first heard this, I immediately went to social conversation, uh, normal, everyday exchanges that you have with people. And I think a sense of humor is essential because in a person, it makes people more approachable. And humor is either used to entertain people and it could be a sign of confidence, or it's used in desperation or awkward situations 
when there's nothing else to turn to. But I think overall, having a good sense of humor will both better involve you in normal everyday activities and make you a more balanced person. Having humor, having the ability, say if you get a really bad grade on a test, to sort of laugh it off and be able to put it in perspective but not be totally stressed out over it. It Laughter is the best medicine. If you look at it, it's a way to calm yourself down. It's a way to get to know people. It's a way to have fun and socialize and be more happy in your day. You can be having a bad day. One of your friends will come up to you and say a joke, and it could make you happy. Or you could do the same to other people. I think comedy as a whole is great because it helps us take our lives less seriously. I mean, you could have a major test in physics or economics tomorrow, but if you go over and talk to your mom for a minute and, you know, walk back and you see your dog slipping down, his legs are all tangled and his tongue's lolling out, I think being able to laugh at that and just kind of smile and take a breather makes you a more well-rounded person and makes your life easier. I think humor as a whole and being able to laugh makes you a happier person and it helps you befriend people. It helps you in social exchanges and in relationships, not getting consumed in every little um, detail of how someone acts and being able to forgive, being able to forget and have dynamic relationships with people which are very rewarding. So overall, having a good sense of humor, having the ability to mm-hmm. be a happy, bubbly person and appreciate humor is one of the most important things that a person can do. I completely agree. I think that humor or just a general sense of happiness, because I think humor brings about happiness, is essential to living a life worth living, because without it, then what's the point? You know, if you're going to go about just miserable unwilling to take yourself a little less seriously than you already do, then you can't win. I I very much agree with that, and I think that, I mean, personally, one thing for me is I I always try to find people, just just friends, people I sort of know, just, just say hi with a smile on my face, just to, you know, hopefully make their day a little bit better, or, you know, cheer up their day if they're not having a good day, or... Something like that, because I know it's a lot of times the little things in life that can mean the most to people. Exactly. And that, and that you know, it's the little things in life that are essential to making every day worth it. Some people have to go to crass humor and sort of toilet humor and inappropriate jokes because they don't know anything else. But, like, you're funny, bubbly... And you have no shame in a good way. Like, you'll dress up as a chicken on a whim. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's... Challenge accepted. Exactly. I mean, it's that sort of... It's more of a free spirit than someone without any standards. It's kind of like, you know, if you have shame, then you'll have regret. Right. And then you can never be fully happy if you regret. Sort of this uh, concept and how it can be applied to debate. People who are happy in debate, it's much more... I find that rounds are much better 
when the person isn't excruciatingly strict or it's a much more flexible it's much more flexible and easygoing process right i had a guy in one of my rounds and i think it was last year and there's a thing in public forum which is the equivalent to parliamentary mm-hmm. questioning period after my speech and this guy looked straight at the other wall. He never looked at me, and in every other sentence, he referred to me as sir. He never looked at me. He didn't blink for about three minutes. And <laughs> he, he spoke in a very clipped tone, and he didn't have a sense of humor. I don't know if he did outside of a round, but totally blocking yourself off like that, he couldn't well, be enjoying it. Being able to communicate with people on a more personal level rather than just, you know, very... Um, regulated very, this is what we have to do, this is what we're going to do, and that's all we're going to do, kind of thing. Right. Because, you know, just for example, you could be the smartest kid ever, but if you can't even communicate with a person to relay your ideas and to, to even have a simple conversation, then that's no better than not even having the ideas in the first place. Exactly. That idea of a sense of humor is is kind of like not necessarily being a funny person, but not being able, but being able to um, take your not take yourself completely serious. Being able to laugh at yourself and you know let other people laugh. Right. Not at you in a, in the sense of you know letting people make fun of you, but letting people laugh at you, knowing that you're making them happier themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was uh, the impromptu section. Um, I had a new little segment that we could put in this, where since we've been in debate for, if you combine us, a total of seven years, um, we have little war stories. We have experience that we can share with people because this podcast, the gavel as a whole, is for people who do debate. It's for people who are interested in talking about things that matter. And Mm -hmm. I think if we shared maybe some of our experiences, maybe some uh, tips. um, I like it helpful wisdom i think that could be beneficial so do you want to just switch off with a uh, little tales from our past sure all right um do you want me to start? any any specific type of story anything that could be helpful or that's just worth talking about uh, i'll think about it you go you, well it seems like you already have one in mind so yeah. i will yeah sorry i will think go for it okay um I only thought of it because of our last little discussion. My partner and I, Tristan, last year in public forum, when we broke to when we broke to semifinals, the guys we went against, they were both named Sean, <laughs> but we talked to them before the round, just outside the classroom, and they were really nice guys. They were just, they weren't, you know, trying to intimidate us. They were smiling, they were happy, they were civil. And they were just nice people. And mm-hmm. went in the round. Um, I think it was a resolution about WikiLeaks. Because the way debate works in Texas, which follows the uh, National Forensics League, is you have one topic that everyone discusses for four rounds. And oh, wow. I think this one was WikiLeaks. I'm not sure. But we were discussing this, and the guys were very civil to us. I mean, during cross-examination, they didn't try to hog. Um, in their speeches... Is that like a heckle? No, I, I mean they didn't try to hog the time of questioning, because you have about... Oh! Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they were nice, they were to the point, and in their speeches, they wouldn't make little, uh, like, low blows, bringing up little things that didn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. That sort of civility, it was kind, and it was happy, and we actually talked about the issue. I mean, either way, it was civil, and it was productive, and it was one of the best rounds I've ever had. Um, we lost to them in that round, but I can't think of any opponent I've ever faced who I would rather see advance and go down to, because it was just an excellent, excellent round. Mm-hmm. So if you're nice, and if you set that precedent early on, if you're polite, then you're going to enjoy debate, and you're going to actually talk about things and have a good time. I kind of have, like, an opposite kind of experience. Um, last year, the third round of the debate state tournament, um, which was early March, uh, the last round, which was third round, we we faced a team... Uh, which, when we went into it, it was very, very civil. We, you know, my partner and I, we were joking around with the people. We were just like, you know, last ra- last round of the the debate season, and we were very, you know, just excited to, you know, to have finished the season and to have a good time. And we we got into the round, and it was uh, the case. It was I forget what it was about, but the our opponents just they. They almost like they were almost very like rude in a sense where they they were almost obviously in debate you're supposed to you're not supposed to agree with the opponent but a lot of times you can do it in a way that isn't mean or isn't blatantly rude to the other people but we faced these people that just you know were like you know, they, they, every point they would make against ours would, was, their tone behind it was like, we are, you know, our point is obviously better, and our way of debating is obviously better than anything my opponent could do, and it was just a very, you know, it kind of put me off to that round, and I just, you know, didn't enjoy it as much as I could have, and the debate itself suffered in a way that, you know, because I think a debate goes so much better when, you know, you're debating not only a topic you want, but against people that you think are respectful and of your level, which um, I think is also important. So. Yep, definitely. I mean... I was when I, when I was in Rhode Island for debate. I was a novice because I was in the first year. First, yeah. And now being uh, in varsity, it's amazing the difference in if only how people hold themselves in rounds and how they conduct themselves. It's very, mm-hmm. it's like a seesaw. They're either extremely well mannered and polite, or they're so aggressive that you think you need a little plate of glass between you while you're talking. Yeah, and you think you need to try to make everyone laugh because it's just no one seems to be having any fun. Right, because that's always going to be an element of it. Yeah, because, but, and I mean, if, if there's one thing I've learned from debate, it's just that, you know, you have to be ready to face any type of personality because there are going to be, be people who, you know, may be the best debaters and maybe the cockiest person you've ever met 
but at the same time there may be people who are great debaters but are humble and nice and just want to have fun and then you know there may be the flip side where some people may not be the best but still want to have fun may not be the best but are like think they're the best and i mean you know in that respect i've kind of appreciated being able to deal with the different kind of people on not just like a you know talk like a conversational kind of level but a you know opinionated and argumentative level do you think having a partner balances people out and makes them more civil i think it does because for what one one partner may be lacking the other may pick up for and vice versa and it kind of one person's extreme views may be toned down a little bit by the other person so it's just it's it's def in my opinion and also i think it just it adds to the level of discussion that maybe one person only one person would have because you know one person can only think of so many opinions and so many topics but eventually you know i mean having a partner can only enhance your topics and add to them so i agree i have a little story about that if you if you want sure go for it um the way it works here there's a uil debate at the end of the year and unfortunately they didn't have public forum and that's what i've been doing all year but they have a thing called lincoln douglas which is probably the most debate forms of debate it's a one-on-one debate again with a fixed topic that everyone has and you have to fully write out your cases and it's very evidence heavy which i also don't like so i decided to go into that because i had to for that tournament and it was the first time in the two years at the point that i was doing debate that i didn't have a partner and it's mm-hmm. different when you work without a partner like you were just talking about one person only has so many ideas it helps being able to think about it beforehand I don't think it would work in parliamentary, but it was interesting the type of people that I went against because they were either abusive, like over-the-top aggressive, like you were talking about, Mm -hmm. or they were humble and actual debaters. Yeah, so... What? Yeah. I was just going to... I mean, I don't think it's impossible to find a person that has very level ideas but i think that with a partner it only stabilizes a person's views more right I, but um my point is that i learned something about myself when i did it and it was that i could do debate alone and that i didn't need a partner i mean obviously it's more fun with a partner and i think like you said the quality of the conversation is better but uh-huh. It is possible to do it on your own, and it's very interesting to see how both other people handle themselves and how you handle it yourself. I mean, having to write cases for the past two years hasn't been much fun. I enjoy the parliamentary kind of on your feet, having opinions, and just going with philosophy. It's also also nice to know that you can do it by yourself. Right. You're not reliant on a another person but it's also on the flip side it's nice to know that you have that other person exactly to be there to help you especially in uh the cross-examination thing where you have to question people 
because there's a thing uh, called there's a thing at the end called Grand Crossfire where all four people ask questions at the same time. And Tristan, who's my partner, is amazing at that. And it was weird having to learn all those kind of things by yourself. Uh-huh. It's a very interesting concept, debating with a partner. I liked it. It's it's something I've learned to love. Yep. Because, I mean, you it's hard to... Because at first, it's almost... It's quite intimidating to think like you'll you would need to debate by yourself. So it's kind of like a almost like a safety net. But then it becomes something where it's like you learn how to react to a person. You learn how to you know play off a person's ideas in a way that they may not be able to. Yep. And certain things like that, which you know I may or probably would not have if it wasn't for debate. Right. I think it's it helps not only in classes when you have to write essays, but just for common sense. It's it's strange how it alters the way you think. Right. Because, I mean, not it's funny because you always think debate, you know, you'll always have great ideas and that you'll have very opinionated, you know, you'll have very strong opinions for certain things. But for me, it's almost harder to come up with opinion for things because... I can see both sides of an argument much clearly, much more clearly. It's harder to come up with a, uh, like a more solid argument when, you know, you can blatantly see that, oh, but they, uh, my opponent could be saying this, this, and this, but at the same time, I would be saying this, this, and this. So it's kind of funny how you set off to do one thing and you end up doing either the complete opposite or just twice as much as you anticipated. This was the conversation for mid-October from The Gavel. I am Cam. I am Devin. Have a good night. Thank you for listening. Bye. See you next time.